Thanks for listening to the Roanoke Valley Church podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and YouTube at Roanoke Valley Church. Like and subscribe to us on Facebook, and be sure to come back here to check out more sermons every Sunday. Over to Acts chapter 16, we have been going through a series um, <clears throat> on the uh, the gospel or on the book of, of Acts, and uh, today we'll be in Acts chapter 16, uh, looking at verses 11 through 15, and on the story of Lydia and Lydia's conversion. And this is a great one. Uh, because it really does introduce us to the uh, the mystery and the intention of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works, um, despite our our best efforts uh, to lay our plans, uh, and then also when we have great intentional plans, how the Holy Spirit works things out in different ways. So that's a uh, ways W A Z E for all those who use your uh, your digital uh, directions there. Uh, but we're going to look at that. That's the that's the title of my lesson this morning, is uh, the mystery and intention of the Holy Spirit, and trying to uh, see in this text how all those beautiful things work uh, together. So we're going to be reading in verse eleven through fifteen. And this, uh, if you if you didn't catch us, this will uh, lead into our, our uh, communion uh, time together as well of discussion. So as soon as uh, this short lesson is over. We're going to be hopping onto Zoom. We'll have the Zoom ID up at the conclusion of this so that you're more than welcome to hop over to our Zoom rooms. We're going to break up into our family groups and uh, house churches to uh, have a bit of time uh, to see each other at least, have some communion together, and uh, have a bit of discussion about this lesson. So if you're first time here, feel free to hop on over. Uh, we'll, we'll get you linked in to uh, a house church nearest you. So anyway, uh, without further ado, over in Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 11 through 15, and it'll be up here on the on the screen for you. So it says there in verse 11, From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak, to the women who had gathered there, one of those listing was a woman from the city of Tyratira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to come to our home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. All right, so we'll stop there. Again, title of this sermonion that's uh, meant to lead us into a, a message or a time of communion is the mystery and the intention of the Holy Spirit. You know, drawing back to the context a little bit earlier in uh, <clears throat> in uh, chapters 15, the end of chapters 15, uh, we know that Paul and Silas were actually on their way back through their first missionary journeys to go back into the towns of Lystra and Derby and Iconium. Uh, places where they had visited before. Now they're circling back as to to strengthen these churches. This is their second missionary journey, and they had the desire to go up into uh, Asia Minor, Asia Minor, uh, uh, a little bit further north. And it says there that the Holy Spirit prevented them from doing that. Uh, that they actually wanted to go into a, a town, uh, Thyatira, which we see Lydia was from, uh, but the Spirit of Jesus uh, prevented them from doing that. that that's amazing. So. We have Paul and Silas here in this mystery of the, of the spirit, of intention and spirit. 
is that we have the we have the apostles. We have these two brothers who are intent on going back and strengthening the churches and actually going to plant new churches. Thyatira, there would have been a synagogue there uh, where they would, as Paul's custom was, that on the Sabbath he'd go and reason with the Jews preaching about Jesus. So he would go into these towns that had an established synagogue, um, and, and that was his custom. So we have this intention of Paul and Silas to go and spread the gospel to reach the Jews and to reach the Gentiles, as, as we saw in, in Lystra and Derby and Iconium, where these, these synagogues were. But the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh. Uh, it even says that Satan prevented them in some cases here. So we have this, this spiritual, spiritual battle going on, dictating where Paul and Silas go. I don't know what it was like for the Spirit of Jesus to say no. I feel like that's, that's pretty cool, pretty amped up to have the Spirit of Jesus say, nope, not happening. But that's all in play here. So they listen to the Spirit's promptings, however that came about, and they go a different way. And this way took them off land, across the boat, into, into Macedonia. But the beauty of this, prior to that, is that Paul, as he's, as he's actually sleeping, he has a dream of a, a Macedonian man calling, begging him to come to Macedonia. And it's the beauty, the beauty of all that. So I, I don't know about all of that, but for us, right off the bat, there, there's got to be this interplay as, as Christians, as people who are seeking God, as disciples of Jesus, that there is this play that we have with God that we must, one, be intentional about all that God wants us to be and do. That as disciples, we, we must be intentional in loving our neighbor as ourselves. We must be intentional in, in sharing, uh, sharing our faith, meaning we're sharing about Jesus as we go in our example, at our jobs, at our schools, as we go here and there. That the Spirit is always calling us to interact, to give, to serve, to be hospitable, to deny ourselves, uh, to, to love others in the name of Jesus. That's always in play, right? But then there's times where we're, we're intentional in that, and then something comes up. Uh, something happens. We can't go. There's little interplays throughout our lives, and I would like to and encourage us to welcome in how God operates in all of those things. And even to take a moment, for you to think about the times where you've been very intentional, uh, whether it was to get a new job or to move to a new city uh, or to pursue a, uh, a, a, a relationship or to pursue schooling or even just, you know, pursue an errand. And for whatever reason, uh, to your knowledge or still a mystery, those things didn't occur. You know, I recall back in 2003, a long time ago, uh, where I was planning on transferring from uh, my engineering department in Old Dominion to Arizona State University, where they have this top-notch landscape architecture program. And my intent as a Christian, as a young disciple of uh, four or five months old, was to transfer to Arizona State to get tied in with our fellowship of churches out there in, in, uh, in the Phoenix area. And I was going to go and be a landscape architect, uh, design golf courses, and potentially be the professional at that golf course. That was my goal. That was my intention. And then I had spiritual plans to go and support the church in Phoenix, to uh, go to a place that I didn't know. And that was all in line. I had, I had the transfer papers. I had the acceptance letter. I was planning my room and board. And for whatever reason, uh, God intervened with a number of conversations about the needs right there in Norfolk, Virginia. And, you know, I decided, you know, I think God's interacting with me in this regard. Oh, the needs here, the needs there, uh, making a decision 
And you know what? God ended up shutting that door to Arizona altogether, uh, where I ended up staying at Old Dominion. And to think about that 2003 to now 2022, weird to say still, all that happened in between those times of, of uh, people that I've met, people that have strengthened me, uh, people that have helped me, discipled me, uh, people that uh, ended up you know, meeting my wife in that area, getting married, seeing my two kids, now being out here in Roanoke since 2012, just all the little plans. And that's a, a macro level. But I invite you to think about the times where you've tried to be very intentional, uh, that those plans even seemed right to you. And God said, eh, eh, and it moved a different direction. And a lot of times uh, we can't see the results of that interaction until quite some time later. So there's some macro examples like that. But even you may see the benefit of, uh, of God intervening in your, in, despite your intentions, your best intentions, God setting stuff up, you know, uh, near misses, uh, saving you, protecting you, you name it. It's a fun activity to think about how God weaves through our, our free will and our intentions to bring about something else. And we see that here in this text that Paul and Silas were very intentional about going to this town uh, to reach people for Christ, to go to the synagogue. And then little did you know, they get into uh, this dream of the Macedonian call. They expect a man to meet them there. A man's calling them. And it's not a man that they meet. But as we see here in this text, it's it's a woman. And it's women at this, this river, this place of prayer, where Paul and Silas meet. Pretty interesting uh, to think through. Pretty interesting to think through how their expectations of going to a town got nixed. Then their expectations of going to Macedonia to hear this, to hear a man calling them is not, they're not meeting a man, but they're meeting a woman altogether. And not only I find it interesting, but really cool that it wasn't this, uh, this person from Macedonia that they meet, but it was actually a woman from the very time, very town, Thyatira, the very town in which they were intending to go. So who they wanted to meet or the, the, the people they wanted to influence in this town, all the way up there, they crossed, crossed the sea come down into a different country, now out of Asia Minor and now into Greece, and they meet a person from that very city that they intended to go. Really cool how God organized that. And it's a, it's a woman named Lydia. So we have this interplay of the mystery of the Holy Spirit and the intentions of, of people. And here, Lydia, uh, as we see here, see here in verse, uh, <clears throat> uh, verse 14, she's a dealer of, of purple cloth. Uh, she is a single woman who, from Thyatira, as I've mentioned, is now finding herself uh, here in Macedonia in, in Greece. So she has traveled for her business. She's a successful businesswoman. Uh, she has people in her home, in her household, uh, not necessarily husband and children, but fellow workers in her job, uh, potentially people, indentured servants that work for her, you name it. Uh, and she's traveled and she's successful in selling a very, very, very uh, expensive cloth, purple dye, uh, royalty. So this would be like someone owning a, a, a boutique in downtown Manhattan, like, you know, what kind of the, the Louis Vuittons of, of the Greco world here. She's got it going on, and she's a, success, a successful single woman. And this speaks to uh, the culture there in, in the Roman colonies of Philippi, uh, where we are here, and uh, ultimately even in Asia Minor, Thyatira, the Roman world, where the, the Roman woman actually had more freedoms. She had more privileges. She was able to uh, cast her vote in some specific scenarios. She was able to uh, obviously have her own business. Uh, she was able to actually even uh, correct 
uh, correct a male counterpart. These were things that were foreign uh, to the Jewish world. And we have this interplay of this Roman woman uh, really here being able to kind of exert herself in a positive way. Uh, and here the gospel being brought to her all at the same time, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So we see Lydia, whose intentions were to go down into Philippi and to continue to be a, be a successful tradeswoman, to be a successful businesswoman. But here also she finds herself going to a place of prayer on, in, on Sabbath. The fact that it's outside the city, a couple factoids, the fact that this place is outside the city and it's mostly women uh, here at this place of prayer shows us there was no synagogue in Philippi, that there weren't 10 married men there, enough to start a synagogue, and that there's still some uh, uneasiness about the, the God-fears, as which she's a, a Gentile who believes in the monotheistic God, the God of Israel, that that's still not widely accepted, which has them outside the city. Outside the city, most likely about a half mile to a mile outside of the city, and they have this place of prayer by a riverside. And she's intentional to find a place of prayer. So she has this intent to pursue, uh, continue to pursue her knowledge of this God of Israel, this, this wonderful God. And <clears throat> to give you a little bit of context, she really is in this uh, whirlwind of influences. You have the Greek and Roman world who are, you know, pluralistic, polytheists, but then you also have the influences of the Greek philosophers of Stoicism and the Epicureans, where Stoics say, you know what, don't love anything too much because that, that, that person that you love is eventually going to die. So Stoics would encourage people as they, as parents, would put their children to sleep and say, I love you, or kiss them on the forehead, to think thoughts in their minds like, but they're going to die, to balance out this love and desire they have for their children to be wonderful to balance that out with, you know, a grounding, if you will, of they're going to die. And then the Epicureans on the other side of that spectrum were like, you know what, YOLO, you only live once, live it up. You know, there's nothing after this, so you might as well do everything you can to make your life great, even at the expense of others. So you have the Stoics saying, don't love too much, and the Epicureans are like, man, live it up. Who cares about anybody else? Your life is only here and now. Take full advantage of it. So you have all these conflicting ideas swirling around Lydia, and then you have her um, having been influenced mostly, mostly up in her hometown from the synagogue there, learning about God, learning about the true God of Israel and who he is and the promises that he has about uh, one nation, and uh, no male, no female, being able to connect in a great way. And, and then also this, this law of Moses that she's got to kind of measure up to and that the Jews in her hometown, wouldn't see her as on the same level as them, uh, being a Gentile, being a woman, that she's striving for acceptance. So you have this crazy interplay of Lydia being successful in her culture, um, her exerting herself in a healthy way, and then the God that she hears about and is getting enamored with, uh, her, that God's people kind of see her as a secondhand citizen, um, not really being able to measure up to the fullness so you see her striving to try to figure all this out. And she finds herself at Sabbath, pursuing that all the more, being intentional. And in comes Paul. And Paul sits down, kind of expecting uh, expecting Jews or expecting men uh, from this Macedonian call. And to his best intentions, oh, God's got other plans. 
and it's women. And it's women here who are at the river praying. And Paul jumps in and speaks the message to them. And it says here in this text that God opened up uh, her heart, Lydia's heart, in verse 15, or verse 14. God opened up Lydia's heart to respond to Paul's message. And you got to think about, <clears throat> you know, how does the Spirit work in all of this? And the, the mystery of the Holy Spirit opening people's hearts. You know, what does that really mean? Does that mean God took away Lydia's free will and she's just kind of like, uh, oh, boop, pop. Oh, oh, I want it. This this is not what that means. The, the text here in this, the, the original language in the Greek uh, Septuagint, and even here in the in the Greek Greek language, is that it's <clears throat> it's God put something on our heart that in the heart is not the seat of emotions like we kind of think of it as, but it's this all-encompassing mind, soul, desires. So God, God moved her desires. God moved her heart to see that what she was hearing was, was as we call it, the good news, that this was wonderful. It literally overwhelmed her from the inside out. So it wasn't a pop, God just kind of got, got her going, but more so was it stirred her heart. It really opened her eyes to the beauty of all that God was promising here. That wrestling match of <clears throat> the, the, the Roman cultures and Roman gods and the Greek gods and uh, her own philosophies and her own thoughts about herself and what she was hearing from God's people and the ways they looked at her and things like that. All that kind of came to a crystal clear uh, moment in time of, whoa, I really see it now. And there's really that, that eye-opening moment of stirring her desires to want to know more. And that's the, the beauty of what we see here. And all that happens in the mystery of the Holy Spirit. And it says there that as she came to faith, she responded with her, with her uh, being baptized and the members of her household being baptized. That's one quick line there, but there's so much involved in, in what Lydia does in helping her, her household uh, become disciples as well. So we see this beautiful interplay starting there with the mystery and the intentions of the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to think about that, how Paul had his intentions, God nixed it, and then took him to a place that he wasn't expecting to go right away, uh, didn't meet the person he was expecting to meet, but met someone from the place that he was trying to go to initially. And it's a woman, and it's a woman of influence who responds at this <clears throat> podunk prayer, prayer meeting along the river, who then uses her influence to influence her household. And then the church that they were planning to start in Thyteria is now being started in Philippi. God's plans here are wonderful. And that's the story that you and I get to be a part of. And application-wise, I want us to think about, again, one, how God has moved to change plans, to take you down a different course, to show you his greater plans, to discuss that in house churches today about maybe even, it might just be hypothesizing and having fun with that about how God has moved and placed you in certain places or how he's used you to influence another area or another person where your intentions were to influence someone completely different and really just chalking that up to the mystery of the Holy Spirit. But I do want to really highlight how it is important for us to continue to be intentional as disciples of Jesus. That right now during the pandemic and right now during all this restrictive, uh, you know, restrictive realities for us, 
whether it's meeting in person or not being able to meet in person or uh, not being able to go to work or being able to go to work, whatever, not being able to meet in person, that there's still room for us to be very intentional with our lives. And there's so much to learn from, from Lydia in this story that I believe applies, applies to us. One, Lydia was busy, yet she still pursued God intentionally. You know, Lydia being a woman, having to prove herself culturally, uh, her kind of this new Roman woman in a sense, not so much that she was, um, you know, throwing off modesty like a lot of the other Roman women were, uh, but her being a, a successful uh, a successful businesswoman, think, you know, boutique downtown Manhattan, that in all the busyness of having employees, of having influence, of having a, a budding uh, company, uh, of the hard work that would be to to dye this purple cloth, the even the people that she's rubbing elbows with, uh, again, expensive cloth. She's not, she's not mucking it up with with kind of the underlings of society, if you will. But she's inter- interacting with the higher ups, the upper echelons, the one percents, and the influence of all that, and the busyness, interactions there. That despite all that, she finds time to continue to pursue her relationship with God. She continues to be intentional about knowing more about this true God. You know, how about us? You know, in our busyness, uh, many of you are successful in your jobs. Many of you have, have growing responsibilities. Many of you have deadlines and interactions and you're working at, at your jobs and you're, you're viewed uh, very highly uh, at your jobs. You know, Lydia uses all of that um, not, as a, not as a overshadowing uh, uh, a point for her life, but she uses it as a bridge to have influence. You know, how about you? Is the busyness of your job or employment or your responsibilities choking out your intention to know God. Uh, That can't be the case for us. Uh, Rather, what can be the case is our interactions, our our communities that we have established because of our jobs or our parenting or our children's activities, whatever it might be, are we using those to influence? Are we using those to be intentional in spreading the gospel? We see that Lydia did, and that's a beautiful story. And we know that's happening here in Roanoke. I think about the Schwarzes. And uh, you know what? I'll use this. They are busy. They've got four kiddos. Uh, they, they, uh, Nick is a, a PTA president. Uh, Sean's a successful uh, computer engineer, uh, working with all that. Has colleagues, has families, have have uh, you know teammates, all these different things. But being able to use their friendships to influence. With most recently, you know, a long-standing relationship of eight years in the Jones family, seeing Elizabeth recently come to faith and being baptized into Christ. And that's inspiring. And that's not the only example, but it's one where someone who's busy, has a lot of stuff going on, doesn't let that choke out their purpose, but rather lets God use it uh, in their intentional intentionality to use it for God to build in a great way. How about you? So she pursues it in a, wonder, in a wonderful way. I do want to uh, to really give so much props and credit to God here, because again, this mystery of the Holy Spirit and being intentional, uh, that Lydia, again, if she's intentional, uh, she doesn't fit the bill in Paul's mind as to what's really going to happen. Uh, but what we see here is that she does, and she pursues it in a tremendous way. And not only that, here in verse 15, uh, she says there, if you consider me a believer, which of course they did, by the way, come and stay at my house. She's, she's pursuing in a tremendous way for them to stay to teach her more that she wants to show hospitality to Paul and Silas. She wants to pour out more of her resources, her home, everything she's got to welcome in more people uh, to be the beneficiaries, the benefactors of hospitality. 
So much so that as we move forward, uh, verse verse 31, we've got the jailer that's going to come. We're going to have this, uh, this, this demon-possessed little girl that's going to come. And then we're going to have Lydia being shown to actually have a church that meets in her home right here in Philippi. You know, shout out to the women's ministry. Shout out to God here as to how things can happen. There's no church here before Paul gets here. There's a small prayer meeting of women. These women pursue God with a tremendous effort. Intentionality, the spirit works in, the, in its mystery. And now we have a budding church. And if it wasn't for Lydia and her household, there's no church there. So there's that. And then we have the, the little girl and her owners. Boom. And then we have the flip, we have the jailer, who's a most likely a veteran, who's kind of a good guy, knows what to do. Uh, he becomes a Christian in all of his household. And from a bunch of single women, now there's a church. You know, there may not be men to lead in your, in, in, you know, in a sense, t- traditionally, kind of lead a church or traditionally lead a small group. But God can work through the Holy Spirit through, through wonderful women, single women, to build God's kingdom. So I want to encourage the women here that we see God working through women all throughout Scripture. Not only here, here, but earlier in Jesus' ministry with Mary, supporting him financially. Uh, we've got others who support the ministry. We've got others. We've got Phoebe. We've got so many others that actually have house churches because of their influence. We'll see Ananias, or not Ananias and Sapphira. We'll see Aquila and Priscilla and how their hospitality, their wisdom influences Apollos and ultimately Corinth as a church. You know, let God use you, women, in your intention to make him known and to learn more about him to build God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. So we have all this. So I do want to encourage us to really see how God works through the intentionality of Paul and the intentionality of Lydia and encourage us to imitate Paul and Silas in their flexibility to what God's going to do. Are you intentional to help people know about Jesus? Are you flexible to how God might be bringing that about? You know, we've got to stay faithful long enough to see God come through. Some of us, myself included, think God's got to respond on my my plans right away for me to for me to be to prove him faithful. When so many times, so many things we can brainstorm where maybe God thought I thought God was stalling where God wasn't coming through, only to see God come through in ways that I had never thought or imagined. you got to stay faithful long enough to see God come through. Sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's the long game. And here, Paul and Silas stay faithful, they stay flexible, they listen to the Spirit, they stay intentional, and God comes through. Lydia stays intentional, and God comes through quickly with her household joining the, the, the gospel train, and then eventually we see the dominoes fall in this this demon-possessed girl, and the Philippian jailer in his household. Beautiful stories, one by one, that should encourage us to stay intentional. Secondly, stay intentional about your resources. Stay intentional about what you have and offer hospitality to those around you. Lydia was very intentional in offering hospitality to God's people. It is a mark of someone who really has come to repentance and has made Jesus Lord. They see their resources. They see their influence. They see their materials. They see their time, their energy as not their own, but God's. You know, is that us? Yes, it's hard in a pandemic to really lean fully into that. But are we intentional in finding ways to stay hospitable, 
to offering our resources. I love the church has rallied to drop gifts off, to drop cards off, to make extra phone calls, to make extra text messages, to, to drop gifts off, to meet in parks for, for food, to be outside meeting, even in the cold, to go sledding, just to find ways to be hospitable with our energy. It's a beautiful thing. Are you involved in that? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Are you involved in that? You know, as we take communion, uh, I do want us to think about what really stirred, I believe, stirred Lydia's heart. You know, as he's, she's hearing Paul's message, I know for a fact that, that Lydia is going to hear about Jesus and his, his undeserving death, his, his radical righteousness, his perfection to following all of God's laws to be righteous so that we can be saved. And Lydia, as she wrestles with the Epicureans and the Stoics and trying to measure up to the Mosaic law to hear that Jesus himself was able to live such a perfect life and faith in him that he died and rose for you, that faith in him allows you to receive the grace of God, allows you to be considered righteous. You no longer have to measure up, but you actually can have the full promises of Abraham, the full gifts of righteousness, the full promise of being a part of God's people. Imagine how liberating that was for Lydia to know that the grace of God is there. The grace of God is there for the taking and the righteousness of God is there for the taking. But I do want to, you know, prop, prop, perhaps hypothesize a little bit is that this purple cloth that she sold, we know in the gospel that Jesus was given a purple cloth as the Roman soldiers mocked him, that he was given a pop, purple cloth, a crown of thorns, and, and they worshiped him, you know, tongue in cheek. And that very purple cloth, which was so deserving of Jesus, more deserving than any of the Romans, any of the Greeks that she had been giving and that had purchased her purple cloth, all this pomp and circumstance, all these men and women who, who saw their, who saw their, uh, their uh, higher status as something to rule over people and to stick their noses up, that this Jesus was the only one deserving of this royalty, this royal treatment. And yet he gave it all away and he was mocked by it rather than cloaked and esteemed by it. You imagine Lydia as she grips that purple garment and looks down at it and said, this was adorned by my Christ. This was adorned by my God, the only one who truly deserved it. And yet he became nothing for me. And this very, very garment he deserved to wear more than anyone moved her heart. Moved her heart more than ever. That physical, that tangible evidence of God's love for her, I believe, moved her heart, opened her heart wide to the message. And that's got to be consistently what does it for us. What moves us to be intentional. What moves us to listen to the Spirit. What moves us to be hospitable. What moves us to see our time and our energy and our resources, our finances, our, uh, you name it, our, our mental space, our mental capacity. No matter how busy we are, we keep pursuing being intentional. What's going to motivate that? It's got to be the grace of God. It's got to be Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that continues to move our heart, to be intentional, to move towards people, and to move towards selflessness. And we see that, that Lydia, as she says, if you consider me a believer, let me show you my hospitality. Let me show you the mark of being moved by the gospel message. And that's a clear takeaway for us too, to be hospitable, to show our, our intentionality and in giving to others, using our resources, using our jobs and our influence, all for the kingdom of God. 
And let's not be taken aback. Uh, let's not miss the mystery of the Holy Spirit and how it works with all, all of that. That maybe your intentions this week don't produce anything, but stay faithful long enough to see how God will redirect or how God will bring about that gift. So as we meet in house churches today, let's reflect on, on the grace of God given to us. And let's reflect on how it, how it was maximized through Lydia. That, that intention of Paul wasn't seen initially. It moved, God moved him to Philippi. God worked through all of that in ways that he could not see through a single woman in tremendous ways. Go women to see God's church built, to see a house church be built, and to see Lydia influence her household, be a welcome place for this new, uh, this no, no longer demon-possessed girl, and now jailer and his household, all to be welcomed into this house church just because of just because of Paul and Silas and Lydia's intentionality and the spirit moving. Let's talk about how God has done that in our lives. Let's hypothesize. Let's brainstorm how God's grace can motivate us all the more to be hospitable and use what we have for his kingdom. And let's dream about how God in his the mystery of the Holy Spirit can work in our lives to build his kingdom right here in Roanoke in places and ways that we can't anticipate. <laughs>